Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. All right. This one right here, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be both funny, sad, uh, <laughs> depressing, and just everything all smashed into one. So let me paint the picture here. This particular story here, or video series, I should say, is not uncommon, and it's not uh, it's not just specific to this particular school district, which is too bad because it shouldn't exist at all. But it does, and we're going to learn about it here today. So this comes from the Westerville City School District, and to give you a little geographical information here, uh, the Westerville City School District is in Westerville, Ohio, which is located in the northeastern side of Columbus not far away from Ohio State University. And it's not uncommon that universities will partner with local school districts to perpetuate the same brainwashing that goes on within the university setting, in particular within certain teacher education programs where they're uh, dishing out this garbage to their wannabe teachers. So, plastered all over the Westerville City School District's website, right on the front page, is something that they're calling Learn Together, Westerville City School District Black History Month video series. And it says, in recognition and celebration of Black History Month, Westerville City Schools is starting a month-long video series where families and community members can learn alongside educators on issues about race, diversity, equity, and inclusion. All right. Ugh. This is going to be tough here. Um, there's a 4 minute and 13 second long introduction where basically everybody is being shamed for being white. And the presenters are introduced and then they get into their first video. So, their first video is approximately, it's exactly actually, 45 minutes and 45. I'm sorry, 45 minutes and 54 seconds long. So for an entire 46 minutes, the in, uh, this entire video presentation is a slideshow with commentary and video from the presenter talking about race, equity, diversity, and inclusion. Now, what do these things include, according to them? Well, I'm going to play you a few minutes and it's gonna get crazy. So here we go. Because it's superior, it has a right to dominate everything else. That's a really simple definition of racism. Um, and anytime you see it operational, you can see it in sex. Anytime people think that one sex is more intellectually gifted, you start to see, and because they are, they should make more money in this field because it's heavily dominated. That's an example of sexism. All right, any questions on this page? So I want to make sure you got plenty of time to go into your small groups. Make sure you got a screenshot so that if your group gets this, this task, you'll have these words ready and you can share it. All right. The next page is what I call the racisms page, the different types of racism. A lot has been made in the last six to seven months as we've seen more discussion in the public discourse around racism, institutionalized racism. You hear people use the term systemic racism. How many of you have heard the term institutionalized racism? Raise your hand if you've heard that term in the last six months. I probably have heard it more in the last six months than I have in the last six years. Um, 
Some of you have heard the term structural or systemic racism, and there's a debate about whether or not that exists. Then, of course, there's the term individual racism and internalized racism. And there's no debate. There's no debate. There's no debate. It's not a debate. There are facts, and then there is fiction. Something you need to keep in mind, too, with, with, with this little video series that they're doing is that this is, it's just really hard to listen to. When a school district makes a video series like this and allows something like this to happen where you have outsiders coming in to now do teacher training, so to speak, or we're trying to educate the quote-unquote community about this stuff – there are going to be teachers in this school district that take these videos and show them in their classes, virtually or in person. And then they're going to have them do assignments on them. And this will happen, I might add, in every subject. They'll, they'll do this. They'll show this in a math class. A math teacher will, will, will show this. And that will be acceptable both to the individual who's doing it and to any of the individuals responsible for evaluating them. They'll say, oh, well, of course, it was on the district website and we encourage this and blah, blah, blah. What does this have anything to do with anything? And the answer is, is it has nothing to do with anything. Nothing. This is Marxism. This is the Marxist drivel that they peddle at the most Marxist institutions in quote-unquote higher ed, and then it makes its way all the way to professional development of K-12 public schools. Again, not new, I understand that, but I just want you to hear what these people are saying in these slides that they're going through and how they're actually defining this, this nonsense, which does not exist. It just doesn't exist. But you know, if you say it often enough and you just keep saying it, well, then we'll make it exist. And then we'll base entire careers around it existing. See, the problem with these people is they don't know how to teach people how to be teachers. And by the way, if you're already a school teacher, there's no professional development that you need anymore. None. Zero. You've had it all. It's called a bachelor's degree. It's called four years of being in college. You've taken some exams at the end to get certified, and now you're getting paid. That's really about it. If there's any professional development, I'm using finger quotes here, because most of it is unprofessional development like this, but if there's any professional development that needs to take place, it would be something that's technology-related. That's all. Here's a, here's a little technology thing. If you're interested in using this, come to the professional development and you can use it, blah, blah, blah. Or the district says something like, we've completely changed the way that we're going to take attendance online now. We're using a completely different program, which is a whole lot better. Please come to this professional development so that you know how to use this program and how we're going to use it in this building. That's it. That's it. That's all the professional development a school teacher should ever have. The rest of it lies on the individual teacher. It's their responsibility to read. It's their responsibility to learn. They don't need it shoved in their faces like this garbage. So let's continue, shall we? Analyze racism. An example I'll give you, and you have to come up with a different example, is when 
You tell somebody something enough and they start to believe it. If you tell girls, for example, internalized sexism, I'll use sexism instead of racism here. If you ter- tell girls that they're not as intellectually gifted and, and the research bears this out in science and math, you start to see them internalize that and check out of science and math in middle school. The research bears that out. Elementary, boys and girls are neck and neck. It's when people start to feed the notion that boys are more intellectually gifted in science and math and girls in reading and social studies that you start to see the differences appear. And when kids internalize that, that's called internalized sexism. And in this case, racism. For example, if we continually tell black boys that they're not as intelligent and they're only uh, capable of becoming criminals, guess what? It's not just self-fulfilling prophecy. What happens is they start to believe it. Who does that? Who does that? Who says that about about girls or black boys or any other group? Who says that? No one. No one. No one says that. No one does that. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. No one does that. No one looks at the face of a black child and says, you're going to prison because you don't get A's in math class. Nobody does that. No one. Nobody. And if somebody does, that's just called a bad person. Big deal. They exist. Bad people exist. Get over it. Who says that about girls and, and science? I'm serious. Help me with this. Who actually says that? Who says girls aren't good at science? You're not going to be good at science because you're a girl. Who, who says that? We already know that there is a pr- proclivity to gravitate, not yeah, no such thing as gravity, but to be drawn toward, we'll say, innately particular subjects. Some people are interested in science. Some people aren't. They just believe what's on their TVs. Some people uh, are, are more numbers people. It's called multiple kinds of intelligences. We are all of these different kinds of intelligences, and we have them all, but some of us use others more than others. And then those shift around as we get older. You see, this is the kind of professional development that I'm providing now for free that they could be doing, but they aren't because they'd rather just lie to people. And the sad part is, is they've been lied to and they believed it. That's called brainwashing. So the real brainwashing that's happening here isn't that anybody's actually looking at a black student going, you're going to go to jail if you don't get grades in math. And looking at a female uh, after elementary school and saying, well, you're not going to be good in science because girls don't do science. No one does that. That's not a real thing. That's made up. It's pretend. These people are pretending. Let's continue. Okay. Uh, capable of becoming criminals, guess what? It's not just self-fulfilling prophecy. What happens is they start to believe it. And so they internalize those beliefs about themselves. They get reinforced in the media, in schools, and in other institutions where Black boys are socialized. Um, Individual racism, that's the face-to-face or covert actions towards a person that intentionally expresses prejudice, hate, or bias on the basis of race. You kill someone and you say, for example, Dylan Roof um, walked into a church and killed nine people um, simply because they were black. 
at, for any other reason. He said, I killed them because they were black. That's an example of individual racism, a person who holds a bias against someone else and then acts and uses that to oppress whatever that group is. That's individual. Institutional racism refers to the policies and practices across cultural institutions that intentionally or not, sometimes it's not designed to, to do it, but it doesn't change the outcome, that produces outcomes that chronically favor or put a racial group at disadvantage. Examples of institutional racism in education can be found when more students of color receive disciplinary referrals or harsher punishment than white students. The same is true in the criminal justice system where people of color receive more jail time for similar or same offenses as their white counterparts. That's an example of institutionalized racism, meaning that it's happening at a more institutional or global level than just between individuals, just how one person feels. Structural racism is a system in which public policies and institutions or practices, cultural representations and other norms work in various, often reinforcing ways to perpetuate racial group inequity. It identifies dimensions of our history and our culture that have allowed privileges associated with whiteness and disadvantages associated with color to endure and adapt over time. An example of structural racism is the lack of cultural diversity in your history classes. The in most curriculum, not just in your district, but across this country, most curriculum does not have an intentional focus on rate on issues of race or issues of what other cultures have contributed. The only time we really focus on like African American contributions in history is during Black History Month, which by the way is the shortest month of the year um, in February. Um, and then it's really focused on inventors. It's not talking about all the contributions that have been made. Um, and who perpetuates that? Who perpetuates that? Who is perpetuating that? She is. Do you see? Do you see the hypocrisy here? This is what she's doing. This whole presentation series is called Black History Month Video Series. So, what are you doing? What is this? The facts are right in front of people's faces, and yet they can't see. It really is alarming. It's just alarming. Everything she's saying doesn't exist. Institutional racism. And this, by the way, is how they cover their bases. I mean, this is how they rationalize every base on the base paths, so that they make sure that all their options are possibly covered. Inst institutional racism. It can exist, and it does exist, but it can also exist if people don't know that it exists, and they don't know that they're doing it, but they're doing it. Honest to God, what does that even mean? Again, when they say it as frequently as they say it, they just believe it. Square peg, round hole. Yes, that's how it works. Square peg, round hole. Square peg, round hole. Square peg, round hole. And then they go to do it and they try to cram a square peg into a round hole. That's how easy gaslighting is. You just say something over and over and over again and they'll believe it. They believe this.
They believe this. It's really sad. And we're going to continue. The ways that it shows up in education uh, forms where if I see or don't see myself enough, I start to believe that who I am must not matter um, because I don't see a representation of myself. And then, of course, there's systemic racism. Um, it's with whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? If I don't see enough of my own kind, quote unquote, then I won't think that I can achieve anything. Whose fault is that? The institution, according to her. See, blame others, not the self. No self-responsibility, nothing. An individual can go and buy any book they want. They can go and watch whatever movie they want about anybody at any time. These, these things that they're saying just don't exist. They don't exist. Today, yesterday, or tomorrow. They just don't exist. Let's keep going. <sighs> Zoinks. Structural things exist. For example, um, the difference in terms, lots of people say it's the same thing as um, systemic and structural racism are the same thing. An example of uh, systemic racism is um, keep thinking when we talk about slavery as the genesis of race in America. Um, if that's the only example you ever give kids about who they are, that's an example of systemic racism. It explains how the history informs the, but it doesn't tell you how it informs what happens today. Um, how does what happened 401 years ago with the introduction of the first Africans to the American continent through slavery, how does it impact people's lives today? How does it impact inequities that exist in our culture today? That's, that's the uh, definition or example of systemic uh, racism. And then finally, the and then finally, who, who does that? Who does that? Who does what she just said happens? Who does that? I don't know of anybody that does that. I've never met anybody that does that, but that's probably just my white privilege, right? According to them or her, that's just my white privilege. That means nothing. It means nothing. There's nothing happening here. And the ums and the uhs and the it and the that, that right there, again, gives an individual away that they don't even know what they're saying that they themselves are lost. They're trying to compare oranges and apples now. Well, some people say institutional racism is the same as structural racism. Well, what's the difference between structural and institutional? Before you know it, it's all just, it's just water. It's all just water. And none of it means anything because none of it means anything. That's the best part. Let's keep going. I'm sorry I have to put everybody through this. <laughs> I really, really am. Page, and if you'll see that it's really based on, on uh, it wasn't that I put all the white words together. It's just that uh, according to alphabetical order, it's the last part of it. That's funny. This last slide, which is going to be the last slide I subject anybody to, 
it has the words on it, white supremacy, white privilege, white fragility, white nationalism. And she's using this presentation that either she made or somebody else made. But what's happening is, is now she's trying to rationalize or excuse why it says white, 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 white on all the exact same slide. She's trying to pass it off like it was an accident and it's an alphabetical thing. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. This slide was specifically shared for 26 minutes into this presentation on purpose. It's on purpose. So now they're 26 minutes in, and now it's officially white bashing time. Here we go. White supremacy is the belief or the theory that white people are inherently superior, um, especially to other ethnic groups, especially black people, and therefore rightly should be able to dominate those people in any society. White privilege, the irony is, Whenever that term is used, we often see folks get very defensive about the concept of white privilege. And they say, well, that's just black people needing to make us feel guilty and saying that I get privileges simply because I'm white. The irony is that term wasn't created by black folks. It was created by a white psychologist, um, was popularized starting in 1989 by Peggy, uh, Peggy McIntosh. Um, she defines white privilege as an invisible package of earn, unearned assets, which she could count on it every day. Um, which is meant to remain oblivious. In other words, benefits that white people get or recognize for um, simply because they're white. So it was created by a white female Marxist. Therefore, she's leaving out the Marxist part on purpose. But it was created by a, a, a white female Marxist, so it must exist because a white person wrote about it. If a white person's writing about something that has to do with how bad white people are, then it must be real. Do you see what these people are thinking and spreading to children? They're doing this to children. Matthew 18, 1 through 14. Please read it. Please read it. This is, this is the devil's work. It has to be. It just has to be. Let's keep going. Not sure why, but yeah. let's just keep going. Um, I Sometimes I ask white kids to give me definitions of what it means to be white. If you ask black people, you know, what does it mean to be black? We can generally throw out some things and say, oh, black culture is this. The black culture is that. No one does that. No one does that. No one should do that. That's called being inappropriate. That's inappropriate. No one does that. No one should walk up to a white, a white person, let alone a child, and say, what is it like to be white? When you're white, what do you feel like? I've never walked up to a black American and said, hey, what's it like being black? That doesn't make me a bigot, doesn't make me racist, doesn't make me a white supremacist, and it doesn't make me white privileged according to all their garbage lines here. It doesn't make me any of those things. It means I have manners. And I don't bother people. I mind my own business. Remember all that stuff? I mind my own business. It doesn't even enter my mind. And that's not white privilege either, the fact that it's not even entering a white man's mind. No, 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 no. It's wrong. 
This is wrong on so many levels. No one does that. No one walks up to people and says, what's it like to be white? What's it like to be Mexican? What's it like to be a Texan? What's it like to be from Oregon? What's it like? What's it? Li-? People don't do that. People don't do that. That sounds dumb. Ask yourself that. When in society has anyone ever done that? The answer is never. Unless you live in an echo chamber with, with, with this kind of Marxist drivel. It's the only place. And most people don't, don't do that anyway. The, the notion that you never have to think about what is whiteness is an example of white privilege to never think about who you are and how you operate and how you move in the world is an example of privilege. There's such a thing as class privilege. When you don't think about how decisions that you make impacts people who are not a part of your group is an example of privilege. White fragility, it's a its a pretty recent term, and its um, it comes from the book that was written um, by Robin D'Angelo. I don't know if people have read it or not. Robin D'Angelo. White fragility, why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism. Robin D'Angelo is a nutbag. She's a nutbag. There's, I, I, there, I don't have another word for it. I, I know nutbag's not a real word. It's funny, but it, it's, uh, she's a nutbag. I've written about this woman in Purposeful Deception, the inside plan to communize and destroy American K-12 education, where all books are sold. I've written about her. She's nuts. She's nuts. She's a part of the Marxist brainwashing tag team champions of the world. She's part of it, but she's being referenced now here because she's white, which means it must be real, and oh, it exists in a book, so it must be real. Let's just keep it going. She argues that as part of white privilege, white people believe that they should not have to be uncomfortable. Um, That's why they don't like to talk about the concept of racism, because it makes them uncomfortable. To talk about it is uncomfortable, and she basically says... White fragility is you don't even want to be uncomfortable. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not white, so I don't know what that means. I don't know that that's true. Um, White fragility is a book um, that was written by Robin D'Angelo, and she herself is white. And she says that the real reason people won't engage in discourse and dialogue around race is because people um, really don't like to feel uncomfortable and that um, they don't think that they should have to be uncomfortable. But that's funny. That's funny. Again. When the shoe's on the other foot, I wonder how it would go. Because, first of all, I don't have a problem talking about race. I have a problem lying. I have a problem lying. I have a problem with liars. That's where my problem exists. That's my, that's my struggle. <laughs> that's my white privilege, is that... I don't like liars. And this is lying. We're being lied to. We're going to solve issues of race and class and and sexual orientation or any of those issues that plague our culture. We have to be willing to engage in the discourse and the dialogue. And then finally, white nationalism is a movement in the United States to make the country all white. Uh, We've seen a rise in the white nationalist movements, plural, um, in the United States. And so that's where that term comes from. We're done. We're done. Can't do it anymore. Can't do it. But I will, I promise you, bring you the next installment of 
Black History Month video series when the next video comes out. Because if I had to take a guess, they're not going to change anything that they present on. It's all going to be the same stuff. The same lies, the same garbage, the same Marxist indoctrination. They don't even, they don't even know it's Marxist indoctrination. Anybody giving these presentations, they have no idea. Or they do, and they don't care because they're Marxists. So that's how that works. But this right here is the absolute worst. White nationalism. Please. Please. There's nationalism, and that's a real thing, and it's not bad. Do you know what nationalism really means? Not the changed definition that exists on Google when you use Google's fake dictionary to look up words. Nationalism means patriotism, love of country. That's it. That's all it means. But you put the word white in front of it, and now it's evil. Ooh, it's evil now. Because it's race. No. 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 All of this is bad. None of this is good. And again, this is probably being shared virtually or in person to children. To children. Children are being subjected to this. Their teachers are having to sit through this. And everybody sits back and goes, well, wait a minute. Why is teacher dissatisfaction so high? Hmm, I wonder why. Why is division such a problem in society? Could it be because brainwashers are brainwashing the masses or at the very least attempting to? People have to stand up against things like this. They have to say no in crowded rooms when something like this starts to be said and everybody's supposed to just be polite and drink it in. No, I don't have to drink poison. I don't have to drink poison and you can't make me. So don't let others drink this poison because that's exactly what it is. This presentation is 45 minutes of wasted time. They could have spent it talking about anything. Better yet, she even said it herself at the beginning of this presentation that she doesn't like the concept of Black History Month because it's disrespectful and all you hear about are some inventors. And then all of a sudden, you run out of black inventors and then there's nothing else to talk about. No, even that's wrong. There's nothing... Uh, it, it, all it's about is black inventors? What? 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 <laughs> what, do, what, what are they talking about? What, what planet, what made-up fantasy world are they living on here? This is really, really sad. And then again, everybody's shocked why people are homeschooling. So here's a couple of facts I want to read to you. Just in conclusion. By the way, I'm writing another book right now. Here's a little taste. It'll be out probably, oh, I don't know, another month, maybe two. It's going to be a short little read, but very, very informative. This comes from an EdChoice 2020 survey that highlighted the following four points. Point one, parents not homeschooling before the pandemic, quote unquote, are more likely to be favorable toward homeschooling now, 43% more versus 28% less. Why would that be? Hmm. Hmm. Could it be all of the lying that's been going on? 
the gaslighting, the manipulation, the abuse, this Marxist drivel? Probably. The next bullet point. More than half of black parents, 53%, said they have a more favorable opinion of homeschooling as a result of the pandemic. Funny how she doesn't mention that. Funny how the mainstream media doesn't mention that fact. Isn't that interesting? Next bullet point, black and Hispanic parents appear more likely than white parents to want homeschooling for their children next school year. Why is that? First of all, many Caucasian families, white families, whatever, they, many of them homeschool anyway. And when do they make that decision? They make that decision before their child can walk. Because that's called planning. That's thinking ahead. That's time management. That's what that is. That's what that is. They don't let government make the decisions for them when their child reaches a particular age. Well, they're eight, so it's probably time to, oh, I don't know, put football pads on them. Or they're five, so now it's time to, you know, get them into skateboarding. No, no. Some of these things are just decided way in advance. In fact, that's part of what what, what uh, encompasses the characteristics of what's called planning a pregnancy. When someone plan when it, when a couple, it, hopefully in a nuclear family, which is another reason why this is all important is the is the, the importance of the nuclear family. But that's one of the main reasons why the most successful marriages and the most successful child rearing and child development experiences inside of a family occur as a result of family planning, actual family planning. I'm not talking about uh, planning abortions, which is what the left would call family planning. I'm talking about planning a pregnancy and what is it going to be like to have a child and what we'd like that child to learn and do as they age and blah, blah, blah. That's healthy thinking. That's normal. That's a good thing. And what this survey has described is that more black and Hispanic families in America are doing that. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. The final point says this. Finally, 23% of parents who were not homeschooling before the pandemic indicated that they are very likely to do so full-time or part-time on their own. And another 35% said somewhat likely. That's over 50%. That's 58% of people are now somewhat or very likely to homeschool permanently all of the time. I'm telling you what, the cat's out of the bag. The cat is out of the bag here on what makes successful students. And it's not this Marxist drivel. It's not. It's homeschooling. Period. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Don't forget to check out AmericanEducationFM.com where you can make a small donation or even email us and be a guest on the podcast. Until next time, never stop learning, never stop reading, and never stop unlearning. Thanks for listening, and God bless.